This is Ergo Josh, and welcome to part two of my three-part series on Art Block. I created each part based off of what I thought to be the top three reasons that I believe you can get Art Block, but for this podcast, for this episode, we're going to discuss the second one, which is fear. So I'm sure many, many people have experienced Art Block before, whether you're a writer or a visual artist or even a musician. Imagine sitting down to try to create something, to try to spark creativity and feeling a lack of motivation. Maybe you just feel scared to fail. Maybe you just can't seem to get anything out onto the blank canvas that you're trying to work on and you just feel disappointed and move on to do something else. I know many people have experienced that feeling and I think a big part of why you can experience it is due to fear and how it develops in us throughout our entire relationship with creativity and creating content that we want to share with others. So what exactly is fear and how does it play a role, such a significant role in art block? Because even though this is the second of the three things I want to talk about with art block with this series, I do believe it is one of the most crucial ones, if not the most crucial one. And I think it is particularly predominant in today's world where we have so much coming at us from every single social media that we have at our fingertips. So we are human beings and we share quite a similar response to something challenging as with many other creatures that live with us on this planet. And we usually have the response of fight or flight. Now, in this scenario, I want to try to rebrand that and think of fight as stress and flight as fear. So instead of fight or flight, we just think of it as stress or fear and how we react to that. Now, if you haven't heard of fight or flight before, basically when you're met with a very challenging situation, you either decide to stick it out and try to overcome what's in front of you, try to fend it off a threat, or you try to flee. You run away and hopefully you can escape that threat until it is no longer a threat until, let's say, a lion is chasing after you until they give up. Unfortunately, we all know that in that scenario, the chances of them giving up would be pretty slim. But the interesting thing about flight, especially when we look at it as fear, is another way we can try to avoid that scenario is to create a reality where that fear simply doesn't exist. Now we can't really create a world where lions and other predators with big teeth and sharp claws don't exist. But when it's simpler things like let's say an exam or let's say talking to people or let's say art in general, we actually can create a lifestyle or reality for ourselves where that problem simply isn't something that we have to deal with. And this gets into subconscious self-sabotage, which I'll go into a little bit later. But first, we need to talk about the two main types of fear. So the first fear, the first type of fear, is the fear of losing something that we have. And that fear is pretty natural. It is a very healthy fear to have, and it is usually associated with getting us to do things and put in work in order to have multiple positive results. It also keeps you valuing your own life, which is very important. If you don't value your own life, you won't take actions to keep it. So for example, in fear of dying in a painful death or dying too early, you try to do safe things, at least around when we turn 26, we stop doing stupid things. We try to eat healthy, we try to stay fit in order to 
maintain our bodies. If you're a parent, then you know that exactly how that works, where you have a fear of losing the kids that you already have, then you try to take care of them, teach them lessons, protect them, make sure that they are always in sight in order to stay safe and keep them alive. It's a healthy fear that creates actions that usually bring us to a positive result. And it makes life special because when we have to work hard on things to earn them, we know that they're not permanent and it gives value to that thing. Now, the other type of fear is the fear of, it's kind of two things. It's the fear of losing something that we don't have, or it's the fear of never getting something in our lifespan. Now, this fear is usually mainly detrimental and it's almost usually irrational and it causes us to usually act in ways to prevent ourselves from ever even getting a chance to lose that thing, which is terrible. So imagine you're in a relationship and you're so scared of losing that relationship that you have. Imagine you wanna be in a relationship and you're so, so scared of dying alone that you actually start to act incredibly needy and incredibly insecure beyond what most people can tolerate and you end up pushing people away because you keep needing to continue to get positive reassure reassurement every single second of the day you might end up creating a reality for yourself where you never ever ever have to deal with the suffering of losing someone because you prevented yourself from ever getting that person in the first place Imagine having a fear of being broke. You have such a huge fear of never getting enough money, staying poor your whole life, never making it, never being able to attain the dreams that you have. So what happens is instead, you keep every single cent that you have. You never, ever, ever spend. You never invest. You don't do anything. And what that tends to do is the very opposite of what you would think because you think, okay, if I just keep every single penny I have, I'll be fine. But in reality, in order to get to the next levels of making money, it involves spending a lot of money. If you wanna make more money in life, a lot of the big things that you have to do include hiring people to help you and spending other people's money, which is investments. And you have to spend money to prove to them that they should invest in you. And so if you never wanna spend a single penny and keep everything, then you end, actually end up staying exactly where you are. Now, I don't always, I don't want to just completely talk down on the fear of losing something that you don't have. You can also have an incredibly too much fear in losing something that you do have that can be detrimental as well. So for example, let's go back to the parent analogy here. Let's say you have children, but you're so scared of losing them. You're so scared of them doing something bad one day and ending up in a car accident, for example, that you shelter them their entire lives. And so that could end up pushing them against you and pushing them away from you to where you actually don't have a meaningful relationship with your child anymore. And in some cases, it could actually push them to be the complete opposite and they end up rebelling against you and becoming that child that you desperately did not want them to become. So fear is quite a dangerous thing when we let it go unchecked. And I wanna talk a little bit more about the stress alternative here. So in a stress alternative, let's say, again, you're fighting up against an obstacle, what tends to happen there is you start to think, okay, what can I do to overcome this situation? And you're trying to prepare yourself so that not only can you get through it this time, but next time you're met with that same situation, you will be ready and the stress will be lowered. This is something that is very easy to explain with bodybuilding, for example. So when we are lifting weights, if you lift a weight, you're going to notice you feel a certain pain, right? But it's not like regular pain, like emotional pain. It's a pain that you can kind of 
tell is related to progress and it kind of feels good once you get into it and what happens is your body is does not like that your body does not like that pain it does not like that stress it's a stress on the system and so what happens is your brain will start to change your body and your muscles will start to develop and get stronger and require more nutrients and sustenance so that next time that challenge and that stress is met you will be ready and prepared for it and so the goal with bodybuilding and lifting weights and training is to continue to go through that cycle to where your body's like ah we're stressed again we need to get stronger so that next time we can do it ah they started using more weights we need to get stronger and then you get stronger and stronger and actually develop those muscles and believe it or not this is the same this applies to almost everything in life especially art when you come against a stress or a stressor there are a lot of things that you can do consciously and subconsciously that can enable you to get stronger so that next time you're in that scenario you know what to do to handle it so before we get into the details of that i want to talk about why we as human beings are actually predisposed to be a little bit weak towards fear and hopefully this can give you some insight on how to catch yourself in the process way earlier so i learned this from a video from dr k aka alok kanoja i hopefully i pronounced that correctly and he is the founder of Healthy Gamer, and he streams a lot of really great interviews helping out gamers and influencers and regular people just like you and I with any mental issues or social issues they might have. And one of the things he talked about was really eye-opening about how we have this thing called a default mode network. To put this extremely simply with my own understanding is that we as human beings, we usually evaluate our surroundings and what goes on in our surroundings with our ego in mind, with ourselves, the I, who we are in mind. And we usually tend to think that things happen as a result of who we are rather than actually ex like outside of us and not really having uh, a parameter that we can influence. And this is usually correct. Usually things can that happen in your life you are responsible for or you have affected in some way. But in the same way, there are a lot of things in life that we do not have control over. So to put this clearly, I'm again going to use another lion as an example. Imagine a lion that was trying to catch a wildebeest out in the wild for food for that day, for the pride. And it had been three times and it's tried to chase and did all the right you know, process of prowling and sneaking through the bushes and then it started to run. And three times in a row, it just missed all the wildebeest and it couldn't catch a single one, not even a baby one. What do you think the line would do after that? Well, we all know what the line would do. It would either realize that, okay, that's enough energy. I have to reserve energy to protect myself for the rest of the day and it would stop or it would keep going. It would try again. It would look for another herd of animals and try again. So those are the only two options that the line has to try tomorrow or to try again and do it a fourth time. The lion does not think about, oh, wow, am I a failure? The lion doesn't concern itself with how well it's done in the past and what's going on. It just knows what it needs to do and it knows what it needs to get, make sure it's taken care of for the rest of the day. And that's it. Now, if it was me and I had missed three times in a row, I know for at least myself and a lot of people would share the same sentiment, we would be disappointed. I would be thinking, what's going on with me? Am I getting slower? Am I getting too old? Am I not cut out for this? Are 
Are my peers going to start making fun of me? Blah, 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 all of these things. And you could actually get to a place where you start feeling depressed and you just don't feel like chasing any more meals anymore. You're just done and you give up. And if you can imagine what would happen to the lion in that scenario, it would die pretty quickly because it has to keep going. It has to feed itself because no one else is going to bring a plate of food to it. So the same thing would happen to us kind of in the same way where if we just decided to stop because of this, it can have extremely negative results. So when it comes to this thing and how we deal with our own egos, this is something we have to make sure we understand and realize that a lot of art is simply kind of a way to just create without really thinking and worrying about things too much. We just have to develop certain skills and we just have to practice and do certain things multiple times. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is we put ourselves in it. We put our ego into our work, which is natural. That's how a lot of us find meaning in our artwork. And unfortunately, that can be extremely detrimental because if we put it all in there, then when we fail one too many times, we feel like it's the most painful pain in the world and we just have to stop. So this brings me to my first tip on how to start controlling your fear towards art and start pushing it towards stress. You want to make art stress you, not make you terrified, because if it stresses you, then you'll be able to take the steps to overcome it and get stronger so that you can reach the next goal and grow higher and higher in your skill and your ability to create what you've always wanted to create, whether you're aware of it or not. So the first thing is really to try to remove emotion, which can sound incredibly chaotic and stupid to do because emotion is a big part of why art has meaning for us. Emotion can be all of what we have and what we share in art. I've actually spoken on this before, where one of the top six or seven things that would actually make anybody care about your art is emotion. And that was a big one. But when it comes to a lot of art, we just have to remove it because Let's look at practicing and studying, for example. If you want to study to get better at hands, you have to just draw a lot of hands, right? Hands are an interesting thing and cause a lot of frustration for artists because I believe hands demand a certain level of expertise to create anything remotely interesting. If you haven't studied hands very much, you're probably not going to make anything that you're satisfied with. And so what happens is we do in the very beginning of our art journeys, we have a little small fear, a little flight response. And I'm sure you can guess what that would be. We put the hands behind the back. We say that they're holding their hands behind the back. We've all done many drawings of people like that as children. And some of us might still do that now. And that's one small way to run away from the problem. However, you could also see it as a challenge and think, okay, this is stressing me. I'm really frustrated trying to draw this hand. I'm going to take a picture of my own hand and study it and draw it a few times until I get it to look better than I was doing before. And that is the building of muscle that we really need to understand. But in order to do that, you have to be able to completely remove emotion, right? Because no matter how emotional that drawing might be to you, you need to draw that hand. And so at the end of the day, you delete your emotion temporarily, you do the hand studies, you do as many as you need, you observe, 
before and after what you did before and try to compare to what you've done after a little bit of study see what you need to learn see what you're not paying attention to reevaluate go study again go test yourself again and repeat that process and it just works it's the same thing as we've learned with math and science and studying and writing we've all done this in school and we've learned that process and we've improved it's the same with art there's not really any subjectivity in this because you just have to learn something in order to be able to recreate it so that is my first tip to summarize it it is to find a way to be able to remove emotion in their necessary components of your artwork you can have plenty of emotion you need emotion to create art it can be the the overall piece it can be the colors it can be the dynamic pose but when it comes to getting down to the rendering getting down to finishing all the tiny details getting down to working on the anatomy the pose everything the studying portion of your art journey remove emotion you don't need that you need to just work and actually observe your weaknesses and observe how you think and develop a good protocol and regimen for yourself and have some self-compassion so that you can move on rather than feeling frustrated and believing that the problem is you when it's just this is chasing after the wildebeest you need to keep doing it if you're frustrated or tired that day and you just you can't even see straight then take a break go and try it again the next day just like the lion would because he needs to defend any hyenas or any other threats or any other lion uh, prides that might attack him later on he needs to make sure he has energy for that you need to make sure you have energy to continue with the rest of your day and keep your mental health up and so you stop for that day and move on if you've ever considered supporting me in the podcast feel free to check out my patreon and support me there you can also check out my shops on gumroad or imprint on my patreon you can see exactly how i'm trying my best to put these lessons into practice for myself where i'm setting realistic expectations and pushing myself deleting emotions when necessary to improve and then bringing them back when it comes to the overall concept of what i want to share every single day with my sketches so the next tip i have is to set realistic expectations and this is a big one because i think it's much harder to do that than you might think especially if you are let's say below the age of 50. i say that because of social media and its prominence in today's world so social media has really tricked us all especially in the art community to have incredibly unrealistic expectations on what we should do and have we look at speed paintings and think subconsciously that we need to be painting at that same speed when in reality it's just completely ridiculous to think that right we look at all of these gorgeous paintings scrolling through another painting another drawing another amazing work of art that people seem to be just churning out day after day and you feel like you haven't put anything out in a week why should i even do any of this why should i even try that fear has just kept you paralyzed in place and that fear is legitimate it i felt it myself and it's completely debilitating the most important thing is to take a step back and take control over your social media um, consumption and actually direct how you consume it so i'm not saying that you have to completely detox yourself of it if you need to you can do that i found it to be incredibly liberating myself i took a very intense uh 24-hour detox off of pretty much everything and everything felt like extremely almost overstimulating after that day for a little bit but what i recommend that you do is to direct your consumption of media and your research to be specific and to 
individual artist to start off of. So I would recommend you start looking into exactly how long an artist might spend to do something. For example, a YouTuber, I really, really enjoy his videos. I just look at his stuff and I'm just like, wow, he he's legendary. How does he do this? But then I learn that there are easily videos where he will spend 80 hours on the video. And that's nearly 10 times as much as I've spent on my videos. And then that really humbled me. That brought me back down to a place where I was no longer upset or frustrated. I was just like, wow, I need to get to work. I wonder what I could do in 80 hours. Put in the time and learn the backgrounds of the artists that you admire. What have they done? What have they been doing their entire life? It can be tricky because they might not be able, they might not share it as clearly, but some of the artists you may love and adore might have been intensely focused on art since they were seven years old. I remember hearing that from an artist I admire. Since they were young, they had mentors and they were working on it diligently. And for me to be upset that, oh, okay, they're 10 years younger than me, I should be super upset, or even just five years younger than me and so advanced, I can't really be upset when I know what they've really done and what they've been through. And it really helps me calibrate my expectations. And I really learn to empathize and understand with how other people are approaching their journey. It's also very important to reevaluate once you know this information where you stand. So if you know that someone has been practicing intensely for years on end and they might have had especially extra help, right? You need to think, oh, well, I am just at the beginning of my journey in this sense. I may have been drawing for hours and hours, but have I really been stressing my brain to improve every single day? Probably not. Have I really been able to get other people's feedback or have I just been doing what I thought was best for the for my entire life? That could be a huge impact as well. And so when you do that, really recalibrate where you are and relax and enjoy that. Hey, if I'm a beginner, then I'm a beginner and I have so much more potential. That's something that I recently ran through again, where I realized that I have really tuned my brain to be incredibly reliant on references to the point where no matter how simple it was, I just couldn't really draw anything from imagination because I would always correct and make micro corrections the entire time I was drawing based off of the reference. And I never really learned to store information in my memory. Now, this is a huge topic I want to make another podcast episode on, but that's one clear example of how resetting your expectations and learning about your the people that you admire and learning to reset where you stand and get a good, clear view at yourself in the mirror can really, really help you feel way more excited instead of feeling like a complete failure and letting that fear paralyze you. Now, my next and final tip is going to be to learn your skill gaps and acknowledge them. This one is going to be the more worky work, the one that's more intense, the one that is actually going to take some real work. It's not really going to be fun. So the first thing that you need to do is to learn something small as often as you can so that you can start to build confidence. Because I'm sure you've heard with anything in life, if you want to get rid of a bad habit, if you want to get rid of fear in this scenario, the best way is to replace it with the opposite, replace it with something else. If you have an addiction, replace it with something else. And in this case, we want to replace it with confidence. The easiest way to build confidence with art is to take the time to learn something as small as you can, but it's something measurable and to apply that and to give yourself a pat on the back for being able to succeed. 
So I know this is said a lot, and I think it goes over a lot of people's heads. So I want to give a really clear example here. So one of the studies I'm doing to build my memory and my ability to draw from imagination is I will look at a drawing and I'll either try to draw it myself and see what I missed, or I'll just look and know that thing right there. I know I wouldn't have done if I was drawing from imagination. I would have forgot about that little thing right there. So sometimes it's just as simple as, oh, this person, when drawn from above, you actually would see their belly here whereas I wouldn't have drawn it, or you actually wouldn't have seen this from this perspective. And so what you do is you really study that, and then you try your best to draw something similar from imagination and make sure the main goal of that drawing is to make sure, hey, yesterday, I didn't know I should draw this, but today I'm going to draw it. And if you can draw that from memory, then you have learned something that day, and you're better off than you were yesterday. And you can take 100% pure confidence in that and know that you have improved in something. And that is exactly how I want you all to start to build confidence to replace that fear that is crippling you and preventing you from even wanting to look at your table when you draw. This is extremely positive because you're going to start building a neurological response to this, regardless of the conscious awareness that, hey, I'm improving. This is great. I feel like drawing. You're actually going to feel like drawing. Literally, you're going to be associating success and positive uh, chemicals like endorphins to drawing. And these things are very powerful. I have taken some pills before and they have made me sick and they've made me sicker than I've ever been in my life. And the very look and appearance of those pills, the gel, I think they were, they looked like they were filled with gel and anything I see that remotely resembles that no matter what it is or how regular or typical it is even if it's a vitamin i will feel sick at the sight of that because of my memory of the pain from before and that's just a personal example of something that happens with all of us pain is something that we remember very very well it is hard to stop just like how one negative comment out of a hundred can ruin your day when 99 of the comments were extremely positive so you want to take your art seriously and you want to try to focus on building some sort of win every day if you can do something that is going to give you a win don't take necessarily the biggest risk at the beginning of the day try to win and try to go in it with a positive attitude even before you draw you can actually take this concept further and say okay i'm going to challenge myself to learn something new today with my art but before i even do that i'm going to clean up I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to cook a meal for myself so I have something to eat after I've drawn today. And you're going to give yourself these wins where you're taking care of your surroundings and you're doing these basic carnal things that are going to make you feel successful that are simple. You just have to do them. Anybody can clean. Anybody can cook something and then eat it. And so once you've done that, then you've already accomplished something for the day. You've had a win and so it's much easier for you to go into the next assignment that you need to do with a healthy mindset, with the goal of having another win, and you feel completely able to do that. And then imagine you do have a little small win with your artwork, and then you start building on that day after day, week after week. Imagine the things that you're going to allow yourself to do. You'll One day or one week, you'll get so much more out of your success is there than anyone at the beginning because of this continual momentum of confidence and fear will just be a little small whisper in the back of your head. So 
In summary, fear is a very natural emotion to feel, but we want to try to choose to fight, choose to endure the stress rather than to flee or to just be overcome with fear. Sometimes just going empty head and using brute force is the way to go. And I think this is something that we can look to, you know, the boomer generation to really understand. I think they really understood and lived in a time where just brute forcing it really worked well. And even though times are different in a lot of ways, that is always going to work when there are some things that you just have to put work towards in order to see a result, regardless of how you feel about it. And again, almost in contrast to that, give yourself compassion. Learn from the people who you admire, learn from the people who came before you, and be compassionate. Learn where you stand and say, oh, okay, I haven't done this yet. I haven't ever tried this. Why should I stress so much? Why should I compare myself when I haven't even tried or done the work that they have done? Let me give myself the compassion and chill and realize, okay, I just need to start my journey and I can pick wherever I want to go. And that compassion is going to give you the ability to move on and break free of those change chains because no one else is really, no one else's compassion is really going to be as powerful as the one that you have for yourself, just in the same way where the limitations that you put on yourself are going to be more powerful than those that you think are coming from other people. Because a lot of times the limitations you might think are coming from others are just internalized thoughts that you have continued to be, make pillars and boulders in your mind that are really don't have to be there. And when you're emotional, when you have a bruised ego, when you're really stressed and tired, please take time to relax, knowing that you can't really make good decisions in that state. Fear thrives and multiplies in that state. It's wild. It turns into worry and just terror. And I felt that many times when I've been drawing in bed on my iPad at night, wondering why I can't draw something so simple. And then the next morning, I can draw it easily, realizing that I should have just stopped everything in that moment because I was building a terrible association with art in that moment last night. Whereas if I had just stopped and been like, okay, I can just take care of it later. Let me just enjoy my night and focus on recovering from the day. I would have been way better off the next day, right? So hopefully that in that thing alone, I think is going to help a lot of people be able to overcome how fear limits their art through art block. And I thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I wish you all the best of luck with your artistic endeavors. Peace. <laughs>